I'm Chelsea. I'm Deidre. And we're giving you a million murders. Is murder. it solved? Murder. I don't remember this one solved or not, which, I mean, it's a you mystery. know how I am, so it probably is. Right. You do love a conclusion. I do, I do, I do. So, this is the murder of Paige Bergfield. Hmm. And this is a Colorado case. Ah, oh, interesting. And, obviously, today, we're going to be talking about Paige Bergfield. Hopefully, hopefully... Hold I on, hope hold I say her name right. Humana, humana. Uh-huh. Her last name, anyway. So, in her early life, Paige lived in Denver, Colorado. Paige is known as someone who was incredibly kind, genuine, loving, caring, a very family-oriented person, which seems to be a lot of our victims, which yeah. makes it sadder. I know. Um, who's all about family first. Her favorite thing to do was have family get-togethers, just spend time, you know, around... The people she loved. And since she was born, Paige was one of those girls who always knew that she was going to be a mom. She had this instinct and she had this really warm and caring motherly personality. So everyone knew that she would be a great mom. So Paige ended up going to school for nursing on a scholarship at the University of Florida in Gainesville. While she was in school, she met this man named Ron Begler. The two of them fell in love. The... What it's like to be in love. (laughs) So this is love. Mm -hmm. The relationship kept progressing through... The relationship kept progressing through college. Mm -hmm. Things were going really well. And eventually Paige decided to move back to Colorado with Ron after they graduated. Shortly after this, they ended up getting married as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So, as I mentioned earlier, Paige really wanted to be a mom. This was really important to her. Right. Ditto. And she knew that it had to be a part of her life. However, Ron wasn't quite ready to make that commitment. Mm Mm-hmm. So, he didn't know if he wanted to be a dad. You know, he just wanted to have that... Or, he just didn't have that fatherly instinct, you know, like she did have, you know, the motherly instinct. Right. So, he didn't want to, you know, admit to wanting to have kids. You know, he didn't want to promise her that. Yeah. And as you can imagine, this drove quite a wedge between them. I mean, that's a big decision. Like, you want to be a mom, but you're with someone that's not, you know, and that's like top of your tier. Yeah. That's, that's hard. Yeah. Especially if you're in love with them. Right. Yeah. This is a big thing that happens with couples. Like if this happens, that's kind of rough to get through that. Well, Paige just knew that she could not compromise, which kudos to her for sticking to what she wants. Because a lot of people will just settle and will settle and they deserve better than that. Yeah. Which it's not, I'm not saying that, you know, their partner's the one that's making them or dragging them down, but love can be, (laughs) yeah, I wouldn't know, but (laughs) love can be hard. Yeah. So, Paige just knew, you know, she couldn't compromise. 
on this, so they decided to end the relationship. It was a pretty mutual, friendly breakup. That's good, yeah. They just decided that clearly we're not the best fit for each other, you know, so it would probably be best if we just got a divorce and moved on. Yeah. So at this time in her life, Paige was newly single, and she decided to work at a strip club. And this is actually where she met her second husband, who was named Rob Dixon. Rob and Paige hit it off pretty fast. So Paige was really attracted to Rob for a couple of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Also because he had a lot of money. Oh. <laughs> and he came from a family of wealth, and he was totally set up. Hmm. So not only that, Rob and his family seemed to love helping people, loved to help their community, and were always giving back, and she was really attracted to that. Yeah. And Rob wanted to have kids. Okay. That's a plus, bonus. Yeah, yeah. And that was something that Paige really loved about him. And he was going to be a family man and fit that need that he was, yeah, that he was going to be a family man and fit that need in her life. Yeah, yeah. So in 1998, Paige and Rob moved to Grand Junction together, which is this beautiful area, area <laughs> in Colorado, <laughs> which I've never seen. Right. It's kind of a desert-like It's it's over on the western border. Okay, getting closer to like more desert areas. Yes. So they moved there into a really nice house and they started having kids right away by 2001. So, 98, they moved. And then they started having kids in 2001, so two years later. Yeah. So only three years later, they already had three kids together. Mm -hmm. Paige was super, super happy. She loved being a mom and loved her children. And she never wanted to spend any time without her kids. She was with them constantly. Yeah. So Paige and Rob seemed to be living the perfect life. Mm-hmm. They lived in a really nice place. Their mortgage was actually like $6,000. Wait a minute. Yeah. Huh? Like I mentioned earlier, his family was... he. Oh, well, okay. His family was wealthy. He was... Really set up. So if your mortgage is six thousand dollars and this is two thousand, I mean the economy has crashed at yeah. this point. Maybe so things mm. are higher than they are. But I mean, still a six thousand dollar mortgage is a huge, humongous house. If I'm paying for a six thousand dollar mortgage, Johnny Depp's putting a ring on the finger because <laughs> that's the only way. Yeah, that's. <clears throat> but I mean, if you make a million dollars a year, what's six thousand dollars a month? I know. Seventy-two thousand dollars. You making a million if they are that rich? Yeah. So I mean, okay. Whew. So, I'm shook. <laughs> I know, shook it to the core. Yeah. So Ron loved cars, and so they had all these fancy exotic sports cars, like a lemon yellow Lamborghini, I believe they said. Mm-hmm. And I don't know jack about cars. It's all right. They just. <laughs> I don't know much. But we're not going to get into that (laughs) because I embarrassed myself enough on this podcast. So, but yeah, they had a bunch of cars or a bunch of different colorful, really expensive cars. I'm like, Lamborghini. So eventually things started to take a turn for them. A lot of Rob's business deals started to fall through and he actually invested millions of dollars of his family money into this project Uh that ended up failing and he lost all. All of it. Ooh. It wasn't long before they were struggling to pay their mortgage. This put a serious strain onto the relationship, and in 2004, Paige ended up having to call 911 on Rob. 
The police um, showed up. Mm-hmm. Paige and Rob claimed that they had worked through the issue and they were no longer fighting. Said there was no reason for the police to be there, so they left. Mm-hmm. No charges were ever made. Rob actually claims that this never happened and that he never threatened his kids and that instead Paige was just calling 911 to set it up to make him look like the bad guy or something. That's hmm. what he said. Okay. So then one year later in 2005, Paige, Paige ended up calling 911 again. And this time she said that Rob had hit her while she was holding their youngest child. And Paige had been secretly been going out and doing some type of sex work. And this was really pissing Rob off. Yeah. She claims that he found some kind of lingerie set in her car and just freaked out on her. Mm. Which I'm like, you done lost all the family money. Yeah. So I she's mean, like, she's I gotta do to, what I gotta she do. She gotta pay she's bills, to provide you know? for her family. Yeah, I mean... Like, how are you going to get mad? Like, you used to go to... St- I don't want to say. So. <laughs> you know how it was. Bruh. I just want to be like, bruh. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, sir. Well. So, Paige claimed that she had no choice. They needed the money. They were financially struggling. You know, so she did what she had to do to keep the money coming in for her family. I mean, she's got three kids. Like, yeah, and a $6,000 mortgage, that $6,000 mortgage coming McDonald's every month. McDonald's ain't going to pay for that. Yeah, no, you're going to need to do some high roller business. $6,000 mm-hmm. mortgage. Y'all need to refinance and then sell that house. And part them waters or something, but... <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, keep the money rolling. Keep the money in for her family. Keep the cars paid for. And the house paid for. Rob claims that he was always really supportive of her work. Mm-hmm. And never judged her for it. Okay. But Paige seemed to think otherwise. But this time that she called 911, Rob was arrested. And he was arrested for domestic violence, misdemeanor, child abuse, and third degree assault. Dang. So Rob ended up taking a plea bargain and pleaded guilty to this harassment. And after this, he had to... Do some court-ordered anger management courses, and then eventually his charges were dropped. Mm-hmm. So, however, to this day, Rob claims that he never put his hands on Paige. Rob and his lawyer believe that Paige was doing all this to set him up, and that he was a bad guy. Just in case they had to go to court, you know, and fight for the kids or whatever, they were saying that she was just doing it to make him look bad so that he wouldn't have any kind of chance to get the kids or take them away from her Mm -hmm. so the kids were the most important thing in the world to her and she would fight for full custody of them and so eventually rob's finances got so bad that he had to file for bankruptcy and this really hurt his reputation yeah grand junction is a small town so when he first had gotten there you know he was known as this really smart rich man you know who was super successful right yeah (laughs) However, as time went on, people started to hear about how badly he had messed up his finances and how he had to file for bankruptcy. And you know how it works in small towns. We do. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, people yeah. were gossiping about him and his reputation just kind of went to crap. Yeah. So Rob was known in the community for making donations to various places. And one of the things that he would do is donate equipment 
to first responders. However, this staff started to get repossessed. This stuff started to get repossessed because he wasn't paying for it. <gasps> oh, Lord. He didn't pay for them in full. So, you know, whenever he's, quotation, donate, he's not, I guess he he's making pay payments. He's, yeah. not, he's not paying it off. So, which that equipment is thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. So, like, now when he had the money, yeah. it was probably just like, oh, yeah. But then he kept doing it. But then he didn't run out of money. Mm-hmm. So, he just. No money for the honeys. Wow. So they were repossessing defibrillators and everything. Mm-hmm. He didn't pay for them in full. He had everything leased out. So they were literally taking equipment away from first responders in Rob's name. Oh. So clearly his reputation was not doing well around the town. Oh, Lord, no, no. So, this is getting bad. This is getting real bad. <laughs> They're like, we were down here. Wait, where are they at? Colorado. So they don't have a... I was yeah. like, we were down there and they done took our defibrillator. And I was like, wait, we're not in the country. So I can't do the accent. So their perfect little life really burned up, and eventually Paige and Rob got divorced in 2006. Mm-hmm. This was really hard for Paige. You know, it was hard for her to accept that her perfect little family was not so perfect. Yeah. And Rob ended up moving out of Grand Junction to the East Coast, and Paige stayed in Grand Junction with the kids. Wow. So now Paige is in a situation where she's a single mom with three kids. Husband's on the other side of the country. And the sole provider... Yeah. For him because uh. Rob is kind of a deadbeat at this point. Why not? You know, go ahead. <laughs> so in order to make money, but also still have enough quality time with her kids, Paige had to get creative. Mm-hmm. So she ended up opening a dance class business for kids. She would run several dance classes at different locations around Grand Junction and hold a big recital. She would make all their custom... All their costumes, she got really into it. She mm-hmm. loved working with the kids, so, you know, it was just the perfect fit for her. Yeah. In addition to that, she also got started with a company called Pampered Chef. Oh, come on, Pampered Chef. I grew up around Pampered Chef. Mm-hmm. Some of you may be familiar with it, but for those of you who don't, it's a pyramid business. You may remember from where I had mentioned it in a case I had covered... It's perfect for people like Paige who want to have that freedom to be able to be with their kids more, you know, and mm-hmm. your own boss. Yeah. So Paige was constantly hosting these dinner parties, selling Pampered Chef products. And, you know, you can do really well in those businesses if you're really, if you really know how to sell. Mm-hmm. And people really like your personality, you know, stuff like that. People who are really charming, charismatic. Do well in sales in general because they know how to work with people. And Paige was just well-loved and yeah. one of those people. So people really liked being around her and she was so good at it. She was known as one of their top salespeople. And she actually got a trip, a free trip to the Caribbean Ooh. because of it. I said that right. Yes, you did. I always you say Caribbean. Say, well, you can say Caribbean or Caribbean. It doesn't matter. Not only that, but she also sold these slings for nursing mothers to cradle their babies. Hmm. So things seemed to be going good for Paige. She had totally bounced back. She was a super independent woman and proved that she didn't need Rob to take care of her kids and was working her ass, working her butt off <laughs> to give them the best possible life. Yeah. Which, independent, don't need a man, 
you can have a man if you want, but just know you don't need a man to be independent. Women. Yeah. But things started to get weird in 2007. On Friday, June 22nd, my sister's birthday, Ooh. 2007, Paige was, a, Paige was at a friend's house at a pool party. And at this pool party, she mentioned to her friend that she was really concerned for her safety. And her friend kind of just brushed this off. She figured it was because Paige was recently single, wasn't used to being alone, and maybe she was afraid of Rob, you know, considering their history. Which one? I ain't going to say nothing because... <laughs> I know this story. The pool party and the her saying that. Then I started to remember the sex work. I've heard this story before on Dateline, but I can't remember a damn thing about it. But I was like, the pool party. I was like, <laughs> she was telling her friends she was scared. The sex work. Da-da-da-da. So yes, okay, go on. So she comforted Paige and told her, you know, Rob lives far away from Grand Junction. She tried to tell Paige that, that he's not going to come mess with you. You know, he's really far away. Mm-hmm. You know, good advice. <laughs> right. I'd be like, girl, I don't know. Keep your eyes open. Girl, you better watch your back. Yeah, but I'm very paranoid. And we do have a true crime podcast. So I'm like, watch out. Well, Paige was actually worried that Rob would possibly hurt her. Mm-hmm. There was this forum for Pampered Chef consultants to kind of bounce ideas off each other and talk. It was kind of like a social media forum, like in a way. Yeah. Before everything else came up. Remember, you know, 2007 is when this happened. So, you know, now MLM is mostly communicate through Instagram, Facebook, social media, like that. Yeah. Yeah. But back then, Paige was really building a community on this forum. And she started sharing really personal things on there to other consultants. And she explained on one of the posts that she was worried for her safety And she was worried that her ex-husband might hurt her. And one of her posts even stated that her kids were worried that Rob might hurt her. And that he might even go as far as to kill her. Mm. So four days later on June 26th of 2007, Paige went to to this mom's group that was in Grand Junction. It was called the Grand Junction Moms Club. And they went out with about 20 of them one night. Mm -hmm. And they all met up at this owl house bar and right away Paige's friend noticed something was off with her and she was just acting you know really strange and she wasn't herself her normal happy self she seemed like she was feeling really sad yeah so Paige's friend you know from the pool party realized maybe it's a little more serious than I thought Mm -hmm. and she's you know just still so upset about it and you know worried and a lot of the other women at this mom's night out also commented that Paige just seemed a little off so on thursday june 28th Paige ended up calling one of her friends andrea and andrea said that when she talked to Paige, she seemed a little better you know than she was at the mom's night out she said that she could tell something was kind of bothering her but you know she seemed to be in a lot better of a mood yeah and she said that she was acting really excited that day in particular because she was going to be meeting up with her first husband ron Oh. And around this time, she just started talking to Ron again. Mm-hmm. And she told her friend Andrea that she was really excited to see Ron. She said that she felt like she was still in love with him after all these years and that she had a really good feeling that they were soulmates and that this would work out. Mind you, 
They had a great relationship. The only reason why they split is because he wasn't wanting there yet with wanting kids. Yeah. Now she's got her kids, so she's like, whatever. I got what I... I I got my babies. You be a stepdaddy? (laughs) Stepdaddy. Yeah. So, the day she was going to be meeting Ron, halfway between Grand Junction and Denver, she was really excited about seeing him again, and they ended up meeting up in Eagle, Colorado, which is about two hours away from Grand Junction. They ended up having a really nice picnic along along the river and really enjoyed each other's company. And after this, she went back to Grand Junction and he went back to Denver. Well, when Ron got back to Denver, he called Paige just to check on her, you know, and at that point she was almost back to Grand Junction. And Paige told Ron that she'd call him whenever she, when she actually made it back to Grand Junction. However, he never heard from her. Hmm. So the next morning rolls around and Ron's like nervously calling Paige because he's worried because he still hadn't heard from her when she said that she would call him when right. she got home. So every time he called her phone, it went straight to voicemail. And immediately Ron thought this was really strange and just, you know, out of character for her because, I mean, this means, I don't know, her phone was off. Why was her phone off? Yeah. And he just knew that she'd never have her phone off. She had kids. Yeah. You know, if her kids ever needed to get in touch with her, you know, she always made herself available. So Ron kept calling her throughout the day, but never got a hold of her and was extremely worried. So he waited and the next day, which was Saturday, he continues to call and still hasn't heard from her. So he decides to call the house phone. This is when one of Paige's kids picked up, who was only eight at the time, and told him that Paige never came home that night. And that was Thursday night, you know, when they met Thursday, she went home. Mm-hmm. So that happened Thursday. She didn't come home Thursday night. And now we're skipping two days later to Saturday mm. that he's hearing this. Like, two days later, he's like, oh, she never came home from our, you know, get-together. Wow, Yeah. So, a lot of time has passed, obviously. The kids were not alone, because they have a live-in nanny. Oh. So, they were taken care of. So, I mean, you know, they were Right, it's not like, we haven't seen our mom, and we're starving. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, immediately, Ron gets off the phone with the kids and calls the police right away. So, as I mentioned earlier in the story, Paige was a stripper at one point in her life, and most people either didn't know about it, or she had told them that she had left this in her past. Mm Mm-hmm. But Ron ended up telling the police that Paige was still working in adult entertainment, and Paige's family had no idea about this. She was actually very successful in the sex work industry. Paige had been advertising herself as an escort, and this was extremely important for police to know because Thursday night after Paige was spending time with Ron, she said, or he said, that she had plans to go meet up with some clients afterwards. Ha- uh, now, obviously, the police aren't, you know, here to judge her in any way, which some do. Yeah. But this is extremely important information, you know, as, you know, that kind of industry da- can be very dangerous, obviously. Right. And so right away, investigators felt like it had something to do with her going missing, and it just kind of seemed that way. Yeah. So online, Paige went by the name Carrie. 
she advertised that she was willing to go to people's homes or they could come to an office space that she had rented out. She had actually told the landlord of the place that she had rented out that space for acupuncture, but it was kind of obvious that she didn't because she just had a pincushion on the table, which is not how you store <laughs> acupuncture needles. But, yeah. <laughs> it's like, see, here are my needles. <laughs> And they were all just stuck into this little pin cushion, like. <laughs> so it was pretty obvious that this was a setup. So the police yes. start looking into her personal cell phone records, everything that she's, you know, doing with Pampered Chef, everything with her dance business. She's a hustler, honey. But also with her escort business and her clients. Mm-hmm. They were able to find some of her most recent clients and interview them and try to put the pieces together. But they had also talked to Paige's friend who mentioned that Paige was really concerned about her ex-husband, Rob, and said, maybe it's not one of her clients. Maybe Rob had something to do with this. Mm. So they contacted Rob. He was still living in Pennsylvania at this time, and he had no idea something happened to Paige, and he was really upset to hear the news. Once he heard the news, he flew to Colorado to be with their children. Mm-hmm. So eventually it was proven that Rob was not in town when this happened. There's no way that he could have, you know, had any involvement in Paige's disappearance and was cleared as a suspect. Her first husband was also considered a suspect because he was with her the day that she went missing. Mm-hmm. However, he was extremely distraught that she was gone. He was so worried about her he was constantly calling and checking up to see if there was any, you know, new information. He was very involved in the search um, and everything. He was just, he was really involved in the search and he was just very de- devastated. <laughs> devastated. Very devastated. Paige's friends and family just felt like, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't the type to do this and felt like he was genuinely upset that she was gone and they're talking about. Her first husband, not her. Right. Not Rob, but Ron. Yeah. I'm like, Ron, Rob, Ron, Rob. I know. And I forgot that they were both. And I was like, what's the first husband now? I'm like, oh yeah, Ron. Ron and Rob. So some of them had said that he was the last person that they think would do anything to Paige. Mm -hmm. Paige, which, I mean, you never, you don't, you can't say that because you don't know me. (laughs) You don't know nobody. (laughs) Paige's family was extremely upset, as you can imagine. Right. Especially her father. She was very close with her father. And, of course, investigators had to consider the idea. Was that, like, (laughs) Spanish? (laughs) (laughs) Investigators had to consider, almost again, the idea that maybe Paige just left. You're allowed to just disappear if you want to. I'm so tired of hearing people say that. That happens like two times a year, okay? Everybody's missing. (laughs) Maybe Paige wanted to start a new life and she left. But it was pretty obvious that this just didn't add up for Paige. She loved her children more than anything in the world and she'd never leave them. Right. I'll just leave them with a nanny. They got a nanny. I'm just going to (laughs) bounce. Bye. Let's just, let's all leave the children. (laughs) She also had a good day. You know, with Ron. Yeah. Right, Ron? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, re- yeah. She's reconnecting with Ron. <laughs> I mean, if you're about to disappear, why would you reconnect with your ex-husband? You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, and then just be like, okay, well, that was fun. I'm going to go now. 
Well, plus, the police went and searched Paige's house, and there was no evidence of her rummaging through stuff, packing, you know, no sign that she was going to plan to leave in any way. Mm-hmm. So, they even brought bloodhounds into the ha- into the house in case anything bad had happened there, but they didn't pick up anything, and it seemed like Paige never even made it home that night, just like the kids had said. So, the search continued the next day on Sunday, and they decided to have helicopters circle the area and see if they could maybe even find her car you know, or any other traces of her. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is unsolved. <laughs> it's been a while since I typed this pa- this article up. But it's on Dateline, so it should be solved. Okay. Dateline usually does solved ones, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, all the Datelines. Remember we used to listen to all the Dateline podcasts? Yeah. They're all solved, so it's solved. We just got to So get people to the were super upset that she was gone. Yeah. The day July 1st, July 1st, when July 1st came around, <laughs> July 1st, around 9 p.m., a call came in to dispatch, and it was someone saying that they saw a car on fire. By the time they had gotten there, the car was completely burnt to crap. This is when they realized this was a crime. Oh, Lord. That Paige didn't leave on purpose. Someone had done something to her. And when they found her car, they were able to determine that she did make it back to Grand Junction for meeting up with Ron. It's solved. I just remembered who did it. <laughs> they also discovered that the driver's seat was pushed really far back, indicating that someone a lot taller than Paige had driven mm-hmm, the car mm-hmm. at some point. Also, the fire was... St- that sounded real sexual. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, the fire was started on the passenger side. So, now they have Paige's car. They know that foul play is involved, but they still don't know where Paige is. July, 14, July 14th, a massive search went all throughout Grand Junction to look for Paige. There was like 150 volunteers of people in Grand Junction that knew about Paige and really liked her, and people that didn't know Paige and just felt bad for her as a mother. They're out searching at this point, and they're not searching for her alive. They know that if they find her, she's not going to be, and they didn't find Paige, but some items of interest were found. These items were found about 50 miles from where Paige's car was found, burnt. It was her Blockbuster rental card, her checkbook, and some credit cards. Hmm. And it was really weird because they were found on the opposite side of town from where she lived and from where she would be coming if she was returning from Eagle, where she met her first ex-husband. Mm-hmm. Because these items were pretty close to the Colorado... <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with us? Colorado. <laughs> Did you put me on slow-mo for a second? Oh, God. <laughs> Because these items were pretty close to the Colorado River, investigators ended up searching in the river thinking, you know, that maybe someone threw her in there after throwing her items and then lit her car on fire. So a few weeks passed with no leads in the case, no clear suspects, no real idea of what could have happened. But soon, there was a crack in the case. Investigators ended up bringing more canines to Paige's car to see if they could smell anything and give them any kind of lead. Mm-hmm. And the dogs ended up alerting to police to an RV store that was across the street from where the car had burned. Huh. At this RV store, 
there was a man working there named Lester Jones, who was a mechanic. Now, there were actually rumors going around at that time that Paige and Lester knew each other. Lester wanted to be one of Paige's clients, but she was really creeped out by him and got weird vibes from him and refused to work with him in any way. Mm-hmm. Well, according to her friend Paige, according to her friends, Paige found Lester disgusting and was scared of him, and she wanted nothing to do with him and refused to give him any of her business. Mm-hmm. So after the police took more into Lester, they realized that he had bit of he had a bit of a record. Uh-oh. He had a bit of a wreck. <laughs> so after the police took more into Lester, they realized he had a record. Previously charged with some acts of violence on his ex-wife. Mm. According to police records, Lester had chased his ex-wife in a car up a mountain. What? So fast that her airbags apparently went off. And I guess she had a friend with her at the time, and he jumped out the car, and Lester shot at him. He didn't hit him. He just uh, hit his hat. <laughs> but still, you know. Oh, uh, it's it's not funny, but it's it's like picturing it go through the hat. Like, and, thank God he hit the hat. But right, and just, he pulls the hat off, and there's just a big old hole in it. Like, it reminds me of Bugs Bunny. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah, like a Louie, too. It's like, we're just like, pew. Lord have mercy. Well, he ended up getting multiple charges for this, and he served multiple years in prison. And so this guy looks like he possibly could have done something. Right. He's sounding, he's sounding real right. He's sounding real sus. <laughs> for sure. So they end up searching his house, several items of interest, but wouldn't talk about, you know, what they found. Mm-hmm. When they investigated his workplace, they found several handwritten notes about different escorts. And he had some other things written down about sex work. And he also had some Viagra pills. So, despite this evidence, and then thinking, you know, maybe he could have some, he could have something. Despite this evidence, and then thinking that maybe he could have something to do with Paige's disappearance, they couldn't really press charges or really do anything because Paige's body still hasn't been found, and there was no evidence. Right. It's all circumstantial at this point. Yes. So, meanwhile. All of this is happening. Her family's devastated. Her kids are super heartbroken. You know, they love their mother, obviously. Right. It's not looking good because they found the car yeah. burnt to a crisp. They found the other stuff on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. It's not looking good. Well, luckily, Paige has a brother named Craig. Luckily, Paige has a brother named Greg. <laughs> I was like, that sounded fine. I don't know why she's redoing it. <laughs> okay. Luckily, Paige has a brother named Greg who has totally stepped up and is like a father to those three kids. Oh. He and his wife immediately took them in and are trying to. Why do I? <laughs> Why do I sound like I'm moaning when I like get frustrated? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Don't sound frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. I can't. I can't. It reminds me of Bob's Burgers. Uh, Tina. Tina. Just, uh, oh. Tina, turn the car. Turn all I got to turn. Oh. 
<laughs> turn the car for the love of God. Turn the car. <laughs> Luckily, Paige has a brother named Greg. I'm going to say Greg. Who has totally stepped up and is like a father to those kids. He and his wife immediately took them in and are trying to make their lives feel as normal as possible without Paige. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> wait, wait, what is that? I don't it's remember. But it's from something in there. That's why I did it, because I was like, damn, damn, damn. <laughs> oh, oh, my word. Okay. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> On good times, she does it when James gets something happens and James dies. She's like, damn, damn, damn. Oh, man. Okay, let me regulate my diaphragm real quick. Yeah, you need to show people it's under control. It's so awesome that they have their aunt and uncle who have been like parents to them since they lost their mother. So, police ended up looking at Paige's phone records, and they realized that one of the last conversations that she had was with someone who had a burner phone. They then found footage of Lester Jones buying a burner phone at a Walmart, and when they got a hold of his burner phone, they realized he had only had made five calls, and they were all to Paige's phone. So, it wasn't long until Lester became the main suspect in Paige's disappearance. However, again, they you know couldn't charge him with anything yet because they didn't have the body. Right. Well, years go by, and it wasn't until 2012 that Paige's body was finally found by a hiker, and they were able to confirm it was Paige through dental records. Wow. After looking... Okay, this is trigger warning. (laughs) That was just a humming. Okay, trigger warning. After looking at her remains, it was clear that she was possibly beaten to death because her jawbone was severely fractured. Mm-hmm. And they also found duct tape on her... Sc- Why am I laughing? <laughs> they also found duct tape on her skull, suggesting that she was possibly tied up and kidnapped. And this would make sense because her items were found on the side of the road. Maybe somebody had her in the car and made her throw everything out of, out of it, or they themselves threw everything out. Mm-hmm. as they were taking her up to where they were going to leave her. Or it's possible that Paige is actually the one who is throwing everything out of the window and that maybe she did this to leave investigators clues or someone because mm. she had a feeling that, what well, you know, what was going to happen to her. Yeah. And that's sad to think. Yeah, but that, that's smart. That could, it is smart. <clears throat> So, the next step for police is to take both Lester's cars and search them and see if they can find anything related to Paige. So, they took his cars and searched them. And after they were searched, the police called up Lester and told him, Hey, you can come get your cars now. However, during this phone call, Lester starts throwing himself under the bus without them even bringing anything up about Paige. I don't know if he was drunk or something, but he started telling the police... You asked me where I buried the body, and they're like, uh, what? <laughs> like, no. Lester just kept repeating. <clears throat> you asked me where I buried the body. You asked me where I buried the body. This was enough for police to go ahead and take action. So, in November of 2014, seven years after Paige had gone missing, 
Lester was arrested and charged with kidnapping and murder of Paige. Police said that when they showed up with the police warrant for Lester that he acted totally not surprised. It seemed like guilt had gotten to him and he was just ready to go ahead and take the punishment for what he had done. He didn't even ask what the warrant was for. He knew exactly why he was in trouble. Mm-hmm. He brought in, he was brought in and his bail was set at $2 million. Paige's family was so happy that there was finally, that there was finally someone that was going to be hopefully held responsible for Paige's death. So it wasn't until July of 2016 that Lester finally went on trial for Paige's murder. And this was nine years after she first disappeared. And the biggest evidence used was that around that time, Paige was missing all these calls going back and forth to Paige with a burner phone from Lester. Also, they were able to point out that Paige was afraid of Lester and had denied him services several times. However, after the trial, the jury wasn't able to make an anonymous decision. A (laughs) unanimous decision. Yes. They didn't know if there was enough evidence here, so they had a mistrial, and eventually they started another trial. Mm. It wasn't until December of 2016 that they finally... That the final trial came to a close. The jury ended up finding Lester Jones guilty of first-degree murder of Paige Bergfeld. Lester Jones was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Mm-hmm. Paige's family was happy to finally have closure after all of this. Closure for her kids. You know, because her kids are like 18, 19 now. <sighs> so feeling like there was just justice for their mom. Yeah. Um, but they're obviously still heartbroken over what happened to her and, you know, miss her every day. Even though her lifestyle of living was different because of the field of work that she was in, she did not deserve this at all. It's not mm-hmm. Paige's fault, you know, what happened to her. No. Paige seemed like a lovely person, and she seemed like a wonderful mother and a really good friend. And Paige's kids eventually moved in with their father on the East Coast. Mm. And that's the murder of Paige Burkfield. Bless her heart. And I was really sad. That funky tail, Lester. You can just tell he looked like a scrunched up just mechanic butt crack hanging out. <laughs> just ugly belly hanging out the shirt uh ew ew yeah he mm-mm. and like and that's what's so sad is because like sex work doesn't have to be dangerous the only reason it's dangerous is because people take advantage of people yep and they think oh that's an easy target and or in this case where he's like obsessed with her and like just tracked her down. Yeah. You know, people people don't like hearing the word no. And they will do whatever they want and get angry when you tell them no. Like you have, like you're supposed to do something with mm-hmm. someone just because they want you to. Goodbye. We're not putting up with that mess. Don't do that. Nope. No. If you don't want to do something, you don't have to do anything. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you're a sex worker or not. Period. Period. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in. Yes. And I don't know why I said that. Uh-huh. I was like, oh. So, do you have any comments, questions, concerns, ideas, mm-hmm. stories, mm-hmm. requests? 
You can email us at a million murders at gmail.com. You can also go to our Instagram at a million murders and see the people, places, things, the victims um, for all of our stories. And you can also visit our Facebook group, a million murders and join that for updates that come few and far between. Yeah. <laughs> but we have kind of started posting when we post the story. Even though I've forgotten to do it twice. <laughs> it's all right. Listen, I didn't do it this time either. So, you know, but get on there and chit chat. I'm sorry when there's those random spam people. We're trying to stay on top of that. <laughs> yeah. So if you see a link that's not from us, don't click on it. <laughs> it's not safe. It ain't safe, y'all. Well, thanks for tuning in. And we hope you come back for... A million, million more. more. Adios. Goodbye. Farewell. Don't remember. <laughs>